Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Rome Business Radio. This is the Hardy Realty Show, and we are broadcasting from the Hardy Realty Studios on Broad Street in downtown Rome, Georgia, and we work in cooperation with the Rome News Tribune. I'm Roger Maynus with Rome Business Radio, and our Hardy Realty representative on this month's show is Brooke Brenson. Hi, Brooke. How are you? I'm great. I hope you are. Happy New Year. Thank you, sir. Yeah, is the New Year off to a great start at Hardy? It is. In what way? Buying and selling? Absolutely. <laughs> Always. Yeah, Always. and is 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 we talked a little bit before the show. Is it slowing down some? Had to though, right? We are having an adjustment, and uh, we're got, we're trying to get back to the the old normal, you know. And it, it's uh, it was too hot for too long, a little crazy there for a while. Yes. Um, all right. Well, would you mind introducing our guest on today's show, please, sir? We have our executive director of the Rome uh, United Way, Rome Floyd, Allie Mitchell. Hi, Allie. Hi. How are you? I am great. How are you? Are you off to a good New Year start? Yes. Um, well, we have a little bit of a pipe problem <laughs> we, yes. at our Resource and Volunteer Center. We, we technically don't have any water right now, but hopefully that's fixed today. So other than that, great start. <laughs> so the pipe problem related to the hard freeze yeah. from a week or two ago, the yeah. five degrees. and Correct. Wow. Um, well, good luck. Thank you. Thank <laughs> so, you very much. So, Should be fine after today. So y'all are just kind of coming and going elsewhere we, we have been a little <laughs> bit remote to start the year but, uh, okay yeah. well uh, hopefully you'll get you'll get back to normal soon so um where do you want to start uh with united way Rome? do you want to wrap up 2022 um since we're kind of this is a calendar change into 2023 did you guys yes. have a good year 2022 was an amazing year for us good um we started a couple of new programs we did our housing access pilot um, and we also started with community case management which is a brand new thing for the community um, housing access was basically um, in a nutshell removing barriers to housing any and everything that prevents someone from getting into housing after a successful shelter stay or before you get into the shelter if they're full if if there's no space, you know, how do we help you until there is a space available for you so that you can go through the shelter program and graduate that s- successfully? All right, so what are some of the obstacles that were existing that you guys have now helped to overcome? Uh, so it, it was a fund. We put uh, $60,000 into it. We partnered with four shelters, um, Living Proof Next Door, Davies Shelter, Salvation Army, and Hospitality House. Um, and of course, of through the course of the year, um, they kept up with, you know, anytime somebody couldn't get into shelter, could they provide an alternative, whether that's a hotel motel stay, you know, whatever that solution was, or if someone is graduating out, there are all kinds of barriers, right? When you find a place, if you find a place, right? Yeah. Um, you need a, a deposit. Uh, that can be an entire first month's rent. You need a first month's rent. You need to get your utilities turned on. All of those different things that are kind of against you. Do you need a mattress? Do you have any furniture? Right? Oh, People yeah. It's, it's way down in there. It's, it's, it's every detail. Exactly. Everything down to, you know, if you have an eviction in your past, are you able to get into a place? Can we vouch for you? Can we create some, you know, package to make that uh, more palatable for you as a tenant? Um, So that worked through our shelter partners last year uh, with amazing success. Um, All of that money has been spent. By the end of August, uh, we got our our mid-year reports at the end of July, and we had prevented homelessness for 67 um, households, which not individuals, households, uh, which is fantastic. Um, that's just end of August. And actually this week, uh, the last of our um, second uh, report is coming in. So we'll be able to tally the numbers, do the math and figure out a total for that first year of the pilot, you know, how many households um, and individuals we kept off the streets and prevented homelessness for. And where did this idea for this program come from? 
Um, well, we have an amazing team. Uh, Kathy Aiken Freeman is actually our housing access uh, director. So this is her brainchild, her baby. Um, it started from the point that we realized, you know what, we don't have a homelessness problem. We have a housing problem. There are not spaces for people to go, not appropriate spaces for people to go. If you are an average person, you know, um, coming out of college or coming here to get a job, you know, Brooke can talk about availability of housing and how bad that has been, um, rentals especially. But when you're talking about a part of the population that has um, income barriers, um, a lot of economic strain, uh, maybe a not great history with, with renting, that sort of thing. And you're coming from, excuse me, a shelter program. Um, How do we find a space that's appropriate for you? Do you need supportive housing? Do you need transitional housing? You know, we have moms and kids in cars here. All of those things are happening. So our shelters stay full. And what our shelters were experiencing is people are getting through successfully. And then where do they go? You know, you've got up to a 90-day stay in a shelter here. If I came from a tent in in the woods, right, in 90 days, can I get my life together enough to have my first month's rent, my deposit to have a job, to be able to sustain you know, a rental um, lifestyle, uh, to show up to my job? What about transportation? All of those things that we just kind of, most of us just kind of, they're just a part of our life. You know, mm-hmm. When you're starting from nothing, you have all of those normal barriers plus all of the others. Is there mental health involved? Are there addiction issues involved? Um, you know, just a myriad of issues. So y'all have helped to bridge that gap. Well, so housing access was, uh, let's start with, let's attach some funding to see what spaces are available, what we can do. We have learned from that. We have all the data from a full year. Um, And going into this year, we are attaching uh, our housing access funding to case management, which is the other big pilot program we started. Um, We brought in Kathy Hart, who was formerly with Salvation Army. Um, She is an amazing human being. Kathy Hart uh, sits down with individuals who have needs or are experiencing any kind of challenges and talks through what's going on, and then she helps to co-create a plan with them. So if you are in a shelter, for instance, uh, the Davie Shelter has a, a case management program, right? If you're a guest in the shelter, if you're at the hospitality house, wherever it is that you are, once you're in a program, you have someone who can help you navigate what's going on and and help you to get from point A to point success, right? So that you are, um, you're able to self-sustain, you're contributing uh, and, and things are good. If you are a person who's not able to or not eligible for shelter care, who is the person that holds your hand, right? Right. That is huge. That's how people fall through the cracks. We have so many amazing nonprofits here, but what's the thread connecting them, right? How can someone who is in crisis navigate needing to go to six or seven different agencies, not having transportation? You know, maybe they're working two jobs. Maybe they have kids. All, all of the things that could be going on with you. How do they navigate? Who helps them with that? And that is what case management is. Well, Brooke, to her point, the housing market in Rome, is there, what, what is the the numbers, I guess, for various levels of income and people coming out? Is there is there a need for more um, and, and badly? Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. We definitely need uh, more, ho- more housing for um, more lower income housing. Yeah. You know, that's exactly what we need. And, and it's being addressed, but um, it's just a slow process. And the, the land values have been so high that it seems really it's really a challenge for people uh, to invest in a project like that, knowing that 
their margin will be lower because of the um, the cost of land and because of the risk involved too. Getting back to the you were you were touching on something that made me think. Well, that's what you, the United Way is at its core, connecting exactly and. You, you know, you guys are kind of you. You touch everybody. Right. Yeah, there's this nonprofit and that nonprofit and that nonprofit, and they have their standalone mission. But if you could kind of d- discuss the United Way in general and its mission and how you are connected to all of these things, absolutely. Um, so we revamped uh, as of 2019. We had a very traditional model that was basically we take money in, we send money out. That's great, um, but we weren't really giving grants out in a way that uh, we took into consideration impact. Right. It was more of let's be equitable. Let's give as many agencies as possible some amount of funding. Um, We changed that. Uh, At this point, agencies do not have to go through an application process with us. Um, Instead, what we did was sit down and spend three months having conversations across the community. And what we did through that was prioritize the um, needs that are highest priority for the community. And we walked away with a list of there were 10 Two were the same, so nine, right? <laughs> Top nine for here are the challenges for the community. Um, vulnerable teen support, um, housing access, of course, became its own pilot. Case management became its own pilot. And that's all about access, right? How do people access services? If it wasn't something um, that we had to create a pilot for, meaning nobody was doing it, no one could step into that gap right now, right? So that's a pilot. Um, Ideally, what we do is we look across the community, working with our partners, working with city, county, working with business owners, our board, um, certainly industries, um, downtown businesses, downtown development. We've had conversations across the board, right? We work with all of those partners and our nonprofit partners, and we say, all right, here are our top nine needs. Who is working in this area and how can we support? Or who is touching this area and how can we align them for a collaborative support solution, right? And can we attach funding to that? What is required? A lot of times it's not even funding that's needed. It's support of the partnership or it's um, staff is a big thing, you know. So we figure out how we look at our existing resources, work with our existing partners and bring together a solution for whatever that high priority is need in the community is. In the spaces where we can't do that, we end up with a pilot. That's how you got case management. That's how you got housing access. Um, And then we attach whatever is needed. So that's kind of how the funding model has changed. It's no longer, um, you know, common apply and we say, hey, you're a great nonprofit. Here's some money, you know, take $2,000. Now it's, what is it going to cost to run this? One really good example of this is um, a childcare basic income program that we partner with Family Resource Center, Tina Bartleson and her amazing team and their great board um, to support families that are already in services there. So they have case management, they have some support, but what are the other needs that they have? Child care is a huge barrier, right? So we focus through Tina, through Family Resource Center, an existing model, and we see how we can take that further. That's $35,000 investment um, last year and this year. The program is going really well. Um, we're learning from it. Uh, it's an excellent model that United Way will incorporate with our case management. So that's a an example of a partnership where we said, hey, we could give you $2,000 and give everybody else a little piece, or we could really attack one of these top priority issues. Those term, those um, terms for, I guess it's a funding period, were two years. We will start towards the end of this year using what we have learned in the past year and a half to reevaluate 
what the priorities are for 2024, 2025, right? So it's a two-year period that helps our agency partners out. Um, it gives some consistency. And really, you don't walk away with very usable data from a shorter program. So what, what, what can we expect in 2023? 2023, we are supporting uh, exactly the same organizations as 2022, um, we, as United Way, outside of there's 18 agencies that we gave to last year. This year, remember, we said housing access is coming in-house and joining with um, case management. What that means is we aren't writing the check out to a shelter because what we found was the people who need the funding um, for housing access are not people that are in the shelter. They're people who either can't get into the shelter or who are graduating out of the shelter. So that means that shelters now can pick up the phone. It's still available. It's still going to be used the same way. But we were basically asking them to step outside of the margin of what they cover. When somebody gets into shelter to the day they leave, our shelters support them, right? We're looking at the population on either end of that. If you're sheltered, you've got a path. You have support. So it makes more sense for us to say, hey, let us know if somebody can't get in, tell them to call United Way. Or when they have someone who's successfully graduated a shelter care program, um, then how can we partner with them? Send them to us. Let's wrap case management around them. Let's, let's do that process, right? Does that okay. make sense? So it's, yeah. it's still accessible. We're just not writing it out right. because that didn't make as much sense as we thought. So it was a great learning year. Well, okay. So Brooke is, Brooke is the head of your board. He is. And, and do you, when does your term Begin and end. Is it a never. calendar? Never. It's, it's <laughs> I was staying. Say, it's, it's, it's staying. So, so, so were you on the board and worked your way up? Yes. <laughs> Brooke has been on the board since 2019, 2018. Before you were there. Uh-huh. Brooke was part of the board that brought me here. That's right. So. I had a hand in it. It's so our, our chair term is two years. So this is his second year. Um, and actually Dale Willerson. Um, who was formerly with Rome City Schools, will be stepping into our vice chair role this year. So she will lead us 2024 and 2025. All right. So you're, st- you're still around for a while. I am. <laughs> I am. And I, I enjoy it. Yeah. I was going to say, so so talk about it from your perspective, the the enjoyment of it, the fulfillment of it, what have you. Well, you know, it's been a, a very enlightening time on uh, on a board here in town. I've enjoyed learning uh, about what was going on before Allie as well as uh, what is happening now and, and to where we're going. You know, uh, I believe in the causes. I believe that we need to to help people um, get reestablished. You know, and, and, you know, when Allie was talking about the three months, can you get established? I don't think there's any way anybody can get established right. in three months after coming uh, from a homeless or a shelter or, or uh, such. But uh, – you know, it's been a great opportunity for me, and I, I do. It's uh, it tugs on my heart. I, I hate seeing people that are um, just in a hard place that need to get through that hard place uh, to get back uh, on their feet again. Well, and it's you know we all live in our own bubbles, our own worlds, and there's stuff going on in our own community that unless we hear about it or exposed to it, experience it, we may not know about it. And so that's one of the reasons I enjoy the podcast is learning more about other parts of, of Rome Floyd and things like that. But y'all must see things every day, deal with things every day that others are just kind of oblivious to. So can you get, can you touch on that? Just, uh, you mentioned there are many, many great nonprofits mm-hmm. doing lots of good work, Absolutely. but the connectivity that you guys provide, um, just the big picture of what's going on in Rome and how, how much help is needed. 
Yeah. Well, I think one thing, um, if we have one thing to offer, it is uh, prevention, right? Understanding uh, as a society and, and nonprofits are starting to get this and our donors are starting to get this. If we wait until someone is homeless, the cost alone financially for our community is astronomically higher than if we support people along the way, if we normalize asking for help, if we provide an information and resource center, if we provide case management where somebody can walk alongside you, right, over however much time you need to success, preventing all of these societal ills in the first place. We've got to start investing there. And I think that is probably the most important part of our mission is helping to um, change our culture. That is that is help to homeless shelters. You know, we're never going to prevent all of it. it. Is it is support to our shelters if we can catch people before they have to end up in that situation. It is a cost relief for our community. You know, it helps to prevent donor fatigue. Right, we're giving and giving. We're giving to the same thing over and over. Why aren't we preventing it from happening in the first place? Why aren't we talking about that? I think that's our focus, and we can't do that without the organizations that are providing the services um, for people who are already in the situation as well. You're always going to have both, but we can absolutely do a better job, right? As a as a community, as a country, um, doing both things. There's uh, the story of the ogre, right? There's a, a person who goes down to the river and they see a baby floating by. Um, so they save the baby and then there's another baby and then there's another baby and they keep pulling the babies out of the water, right? Somebody from the village comes and goes, wait a minute, how are the babies getting in the water in the first place? And they hike up away and they see there's a giant ogre picking up babies and throwing them in the water. So they take out the ogre, right? So you've got to do both. You can't just say, okay, now we have people who are are unhoused, people who um, are, are sleeping in their cars. You know, moms in cars is a big deal here. And most people don't know that. Um, it's a very big deal. Moms in cars is mm-hmm. a big deal here. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of moms with kids sleeping in cars. Uh, you're trying to keep your family together. And right? they, they are not in a shelter yet, or they have used, they've, they've spent their 90 days in the shelter. And everybody's not eligible for a shelter program. You know, it just depends on your situation. Um, we know that's a very real thing. We are hearing from downtown uh, businesses um, and people who are here that there is an in- increase in individuals who are unhoused, who are on the streets, who are going into businesses, that kind of thing. Part of the The problem there that we haven't been addressing is there's nowhere for them to go right now, right? We've got to work on housing. We've got to come up with appropriate options. Everybody cannot um, self-sustain in a regular um, apartment, a regular home. They need supportive housing. We need transitional housing to give somebody 24 months or so, you know, to get back on their feet, to have support while they do that, and then to graduate out into, you know, we need all those kinds of things. So if we are focusing on prevention, right, all of the all of the things on this end of the deal before somebody ends up in dire straits. We're also supporting our partners who are providing that immediate direct access access care for people who are already in that situation. That's the total picture, right? That's how we have an umbrella for the community. And that's how we start to at least slow the flow of what we're seeing, right? Because if we never do that, all we're ever going to need is more shelter beds. We're going to need more free meals. We're going to need more of whatever service is being provided unless we start also focusing very hard on preventing people from getting to that point. Got to take out the ogre. 
You do. You absolutely, I know it's a ridiculous illusion, but you do have to do that. And it's, it's less, I'll say it less sexy. Um, you know, the, the image of giving to someone who is dirty and ratty and tattered and all of those things, who's been through it on the street, it, it can be a little bit controversial. We've got to normalize helping people before they end up in that position. Well, and you mentioned, you, you said 90 days isn't enough. You mentioned 24, 24 months perhaps is a transitional thing. Mm-hmm. Is, is there a magic number of, of or? You know, everybody's different. Yeah. Um, transitional housing programs tend to go anywhere from, um, some are very short, six months. I don't know that that's long enough, but it just depends on the family or the individual. Um, but they tend to go up to about two years. Um, and that changes, you know, as trends change. But that's a good ballpark number for somebody to really get established, get back on their feet, especially when you're talking about um, parents, single parent with children, right? You've got to get kids established. You've got to deal with any trauma that's gone on. Um, being becoming homeless, losing everything, whatever life event has happened, whatever's gone on, that's trauma, right? And especially for children, um, Lynn Russo does an amazing job uh, collaborating. Lynn is at um, Hospitality House. Mm-hmm. Uh, she does an amazing job collaborating with Kathy Hart through case management to, um, in some situations, be able to p- help provide therapy or at least start that journey for children who are in families that we're helping. Um, it's an amazing partnership. Uh, we have we have a lot of partnerships. You know, it's it's just a matter of who is the expert and how do we all work together, right? Instead of everybody kind of having to fight their own fight, this community in in past years has worked really hard. Our nonprofits have worked really hard to come together to um, build build stronger bridges to increase traffic across them. You know, in sharing resources because we recognize that we also share clients. Right? Um, if if your nonprofit specializes in one thing, that's amazing. But that's not the only thing that 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 family or individual needs to get back on their feet. Right? right? So yeah. we all have to work together. Which is the definition of the United Way. Is you know we are working to support that. Um, how, how how big is your staff? We actually will be five this year. Okay. So. so five, and we hope that the pipes get fixed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping that happens this afternoon. Fingers how, crossed. How, how large is the board? How many board members are there? Uh, we are actually in a building phase for our board. So starting this year, we have six board members. Um, we had a year where a lot of board members just rotated off. <laughs> Uh, we sure did. So we have uh, th- at least three solid candidates coming in, and we are um, working on recruiting others. Well, so you're obviously very passionate. What, what's and th- you you started this job when? 2019. And you were on the board when she was hired. Yes, sir. So what 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 impressed you <laughs> to to bring her on board? Well, I just knew she was such a rock star. I remember <laughs> her being here with the uh, Davy Shelter. Yeah, and then we lost her to Salvation Army up in Asheville. Red Cross. I was going to say, yeah, so what, yeah, what is cross, your background? I apologize. Yeah. That's okay. And um, we knew we needed a rock star, and we heard that Allie wanted to move back to Rome, and there you have it. Rome is home. So, yeah, so what? what is your background? Uh, I was with, actually did AmeriCorps back in the day, so uh, National Volunteer Service. But I started at the Davies Homeless Shelter when it was on South Broad, a men's shelter and a women's shelter side by side um, in 2007. I was there for right at 10 years, and then in 2016, I went to uh, American Red Cross, and I had all of Western North Carolina, so the 16 westernmost counties. Uh, I was the director there for two years, um, and then uh, the United Way board here reached out. and So born and raised here? 
I was, yeah. 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 And, I went to RMRT. Yeah, and University of Georgia. Yes, <laughs> yes to- I did. I'm the biggest football fan there is. <laughs> <laughs> that's just a tiny bit of a lie. But. Uh, uh, as we were talking before the show, yeah, that, I don't think that's just a tiny, I think you're... <laughs> <laughs> that's a big lie. <laughs> Listen, I like hanging out. I like the tailgate part of it. I love cooking, so I will bring the food and then I will sit there and read my book and be really happy that everyone's having a good time. <laughs> uh, but, but something about you personally so you you what did you major in in college I actually English and biology okay so what did you want to do what did you think you were going to do because something called you to go into the nonprofit world. Yeah. Um, I, you know, the truth is I was the kid who would have majored in everything. Um, <laughs> and I would have stayed in college, except at some point you realize college is not free. And, you right, know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. scholarships run out at some point uh, and you do have to join society. Um, I think that I initially thought I would go into education. Um and realized very quickly that wasn't what I wanted to do. And the interesting thing about English majors um, in particular is that what we really specialize in is communication, you know. Um, and I think one thing that that is good for the nonprofit sector is the way that English majors think and see um, information from different areas and are able to bring it together and communicate it. If that makes sense, um, E.O. Wilson has a word for that. It's called, he, he uses the word consilience, and it's basically uh, you can have a rocket scientist, right, um, and they can find out all of the most amazing information in the world, but can they communicate it in a useful way, right? right. And that's where people who um, specialize in things like languages or um, communication type uh, things like English major kind of come in. We communicate that to the rest of the world, and I think it makes me particularly suited for my role. This is way off track. But <laughs> I think it makes me particularly suited to my role with United Way as an organization because um, as an organization, we are looking uh, at every single sector across our community, and what we right. have to do is understand the needs of each sector and the motivations of each sector, and we have to figure out how those meet right? And bring them together and then move our community forward as a whole, right? If one agency is doing great, that's fantastic. But there are 18 others that might be struggling. How do we align all of our efforts as a community? How do we come together, right? And move our community forward in measurable ways that show we don't need to just keep adding shelter beds forever. That's not a healthy solution for a community. We need shelter beds. We have amazing shelters, right? But we need other solutions. We don't need to create more beds. We need to stop preventing people from having to be in them in the first place so that they are available for the people that we can't prevent, right? Yep. And that way, we are, as a community, Roman Floyd County, moving forward and improving the quality of life for everyone here. It matters to everybody if we have people who are unhoused. It matters to everybody if we have children growing up in situations of trauma. You know, yeah, That's our future. It's a, it's a shared future. And I think our nonprofit sector, and I think United Way especially, is positioned to really do some good work and help us as a community to come together to get to the basics of what's going on. Well, what was what was tugging at your heart, though? What what made you enter the nonprofit world at the start? Just- I've always been service oriented. I think it's just my personality. Uh, I did AmeriCorps, yeah, um, and that was uh, National Service, basically Peace Corps, but 
in the continental U.S. And of all the places they could have sent me, uh, they sent me to Rome, Georgia, because there was a group here that is now, in, in many iterations later, uh, Bagwell Food Pantry and Northwest Georgia Hunger Ministries, right? But back then, it was under another name. Um, actually worked with Kathy Aiken Freeman then, and I was their VISTA, which is one of the program tracks you can go through. So I volunteered um, national service for a little over a year, and that led to the shelter, I uh, got to know Bill Davies, the infamous Bill yeah, Davies. Oh, sure. Everybody uh, knows Bill. Mm-hmm. And um, that is how Bill actually marched my resume into a board meeting and said, this is your girl. And I did not know that that had happened. So <laughs> it's an interesting story. You had, an, you had an agent. I, I'll tell you, the, here's the real truth of how I got into nonprofit. Bill Davies did it. It's his fault. <laughs> um, he decided, he, he knew fault. me, and he said, yes, you are the one. And it turns out they agreed. And that's how I you know, met Susan Seagraves, who became my best friend. She was the founder of the Davies Shelter. So, Brooke, you're not the only one who thought she was a rock star. There you go. <laughs> She's been a rock star all along. <laughs> She's been a rock star, yeah. Um, so what, what do you need here uh, from, from folks in the community? Do you need volunteers? Do you need dollars? What do you need? Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes to all. The answer is yes. Number one, uh, we absolutely do need people to understand our mission, to understand the really unique position that we have in the community and to support. Um, United Way has changed very much and I would say is completely different um, in the last four years than it was prior to that. And that's a good thing. You know, organizations either change or they die. That's that's. We're businesses too, right? Yeah, sure. If we are not changing, we are not addressing the needs because the needs are always changing, right? And so what I can promise is that we will always be changing what we're doing. And if we aren't, we don't need to be here. If we're not changing, it's because the need isn't changing, and that means we're ineffective. So every two years, we're going to reevaluate that need, and we do it on an ongoing basis. Um, but we do need people to understand that mission and to understand that um, giving locally to that, to having your own united way uh, is very important. Um, you can do that through our website. Uh, you can do that through our phone number. And that's the other thing we need. We need help um, getting the word out that if you are a person in this community and you have a need, you can call 706-622-1990. Um, and it is your one-stop shop, right? Uh, we can hear what it is that you need, uh, which maybe you just need help with rent that month, right? Maybe it's just a one-time thing. That's very rare, first of all. But maybe that's it. We can get you connected. We have information and referral services. Or you can stop into our resource center. Um, which we- is where? Uh, that's 1304 North Broad Street. We're right next to Community Kitchen. Everybody knows where Community Kitchen is. Okay. Um, so you can stop in there in person. Um, if someone approaches you and needs help, if there's a situation going on in your family and you don't know how to how to advise a family member, right? We've got a lot of grandparents raising grandkids. That's that's kind of a norm now. You know, you can call and talk confidentially to our case manager or our resource navigator. The really cool thing about when people call that number, 706-622-1990, um, is that not only do we say, hey, here's a resource that you can call. Sometimes we can call and get you connected. But the really cool piece is that we say, hey, will you tell us a little more about what's going on? And that's the magic. That's how we get people connected. That's the network, right? It's how we attach case management. We keep people from falling through the cracks. Very rarely does someone just need rent one time. 
It's never just that I don't have rent money right now. It's always there's something else going on. How can we connect you to other services? How can we sit down and help you plan? How can we support you, right? And that way, we're actually changing lives. We're not just putting Band-Aids on problems. We're changing lives, and we're improving the quality of life for everybody in this community. When one family succeeds, when one individual succeeds, it affects all of us, and we forget that. So helping us get the word out about calling that number is huge. That means we can also collect the data as well. So when people call, um, we are actually just invested in the information system that is used by 211 centers across the country. It's called iCarol. Um, it means that we're going to have really amazing neighborhood level local data. So when you want to know how many calls came in about this or how many times, you know, we referred to this organization when um, a shelter is writing a grant and they need to prove that there is a need in this community, all they have to do is call us and we can write a letter and say, here's the data. Here's the number of calls. Here's the number of people that were able to get into shelter. Here's how many weren't. All of those things. It's an entire new world for this community that we have never had, literally never had. Um, the data that can help inform local decisions. It can help donors. If you're a company, um, a business, and you're wanting to get involved and invest in the community, you can call us. We can talk to you about the data, where the needs are. We can figure out how that aligns with your mission. Um, And we do a really cool thing. It's just a complete comprehensive volunteer service. Uh, We'll sit down with your business or your church or even your family, right? And we'll talk to you about what your goals are. We're also maintaining relationships with all our nonprofit partners and keeping up with what their needs are, what engagement opportunities there are, what volunteer opportunities there are. We can match make uh, which is how we like to look at that. Um, we will find you your your dream relationship with a nonprofit or with several nonprofits. We'll plan the entire experience for you, especially if you're a business. We do the media for you. We'll come and do pictures. We put that together. That's really helpful for banks. Banks are required to do a certain amount of um, investment and service in the community. So we've been talking to our banking partners. Um, that's a really neat thing that we can do. And again, that's the space in our community that United Way holds, which is that bringing everything together, getting people engaged, communicating what's going on. You guys, you're on social, you have a website. Yes, we are at uwrome.org. Um, and we are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. Uh, and, and we have, you got, you got Brooke doing some TikToking. <laughs> you know, we have not made not the yet. TikTok leap. We we have not. I don't know that we're going to. In fact, uh, but we we do keep our social media. We actually run a. It's a private group on Facebook for local nonprofits, and it is a space where nonprofits can share information with other nonprofits. Um, so our nonprofit partners can look for its Rome Floyd nonprofit group. Um, or call us, we'll get you connected. Uh, but that's another way. And then we run the interagency council, um, which we have just created our steering committee. That's um, Eric at the chamber who works with nonprofits. Oh, yeah. um, uh, LaDonna Collins, who is um, uh, commissioner on children and youth. Um, Ashley Garner uh, with Community Foundation and us. We're our, sort of the steering committee for that. Those are basically the hubs, if you think about it that way, for nonprofits. In one way or another, each of those players are kind of a hub for nonprofits. So we come together. And what we'll be doing different this year that's kind of awesome um, is at least twice this year, we will host an information 
kind of session, a lunch, a something where we get together as a group and we present issues, we answer questions for our commissioners, for people in the community. Um, We'll produce a report of some sort, information that we can put out. And that's a unifying effort. That's something that has been a long time coming. um, And the pandemic kind of knocked us off track with that. So now we're able to get that back on track. It's going to be fantastic for the community because it is also going to be data-based. Right, we've got that data. Yeah, that's yeah. So. All right, what's the phone number? One more time. Seven zero six six two two one nine nine zero. And if you repeat it often enough, it's like a radio. Is jingle. it like nine times? <laughs> it's like it's, yeah, yeah. it becomes like a, like a radio jingle. Right. If you come up with a little melody for it, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, absolutely. You know, there there are there is an information service number that's federally recognized. We don't use that here, and the reasons are many, um, but mostly because it costs a lot of money. Um, and it's not justified in our area. And we actually have to have a certain volume of calls and a call center that is 24 hours to support um, licensing for that number. That's the 211 number. That's why we don't have that anymore. Well, local, um, right now, it doesn't better, make sense. Local's better anyway. I believe that that is exactly the case, right? You can call. So you call one number, you get nonprofit support. We are doing free training all year for nonprofits. um, And we have actually provided free access to foundation directory online. That's every foundation across the country. Um, That would cost each of our nonprofit partners $200 a month. Instead, we have covered the cost for everyone. All they have to do is come to the Resource Center. Um, They can search foundations, uh, find grants, any of those kinds of things for free now that's that's an amazing thing so we're doing monthly trainings um so they can get access to that Uh, we can support business partners with volunteers we have people which is wonderful we're so excited about it people calling us or emailing and saying hey um my family and i want to volunteer in the community can you help us get involved you know we had an individual walk up to the front door and say hey i want to volunteer somewhere and we all just squealed with delight because (laughs) that has been a major gap in the community and it is a huge relief to a lot of our nonprofit partners. They want you. They want your help. But finding the space and the time to onboard can be very difficult. We can help with that and get you connected. So yeah. it is a one-stop shop number. Um, get help, give help, basically. Uh, all righty. Brooke, any uh, final thoughts from you guys at Hardy? No, we're just excited about this this upcoming year and looking forward to uh, helping others and, and um, looking forward to where United Way – goes this coming year well under your leadership no place to go but all the way to the top right baby well, there you go there you go <laughs> i'll say that's a tough job we are very very grateful to brooke for taking on that job and to dale coming into it um jordan knight uh was a chair for us was amazing did a great great job um with msp and before that brian Sheely. we've had some amazing leadership in recent years um and so not to overlook the sacrifice that that takes. Thank you, Brock, for taking that on. Yeah, thank you. Cause, and thank both of you. Um, which The work y'all are doing is fantastic for the community. And, of course, Hardy's involvement in the community is is well known, and um, which is why we do the show this way. Hardy loves to celebrate the good things, positive things going on in the community. So thank yeah. you. Phone number one more time. 706-622-1990. Beautiful. Thank you all so much. You've been listening to the Hardy Realty Show here on Rome Business Radio. We broadcast from the Hardy Realty Studios on Broad Street in downtown Rome, and we work in cooperation with the Rome News Tribune. I'm Roger Maness. Thanks for listening.